Ah, how are you doing? Everyone's all right? I feel a lot, lot more relaxed now. I feel a lot more, lot more relaxed. Take your seat, sit down, take it easy. Relax, it's all good. It's so funny, I was gonna say exactly the same thing about buckle up. I'm gonna say some things that you may be happy with and some, some things you won't be so happy with. But anyway, it's the word of God. Sharper than any two-edged sword, amen? Okay, okay. We're gonna go straight into the word of God. We're gonna go to 1 Kings 17 and 17. Amen. Back in the old days, you used to have a Bible and then open it and you see the greasy. But now it's all changed. It's all on iPads. It's all about the battery. Okay, so 1 Kings 17, 17. Amen. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, what, I have, what have I to do with thee? O thou man of God, art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, give me thy son. And he took out of her bosom and carried it up into a loft where he abode. And he laid upon his own bed and he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil upon this widow with whom I sojourn or live by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee. Let this child's soul come unto him again. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Amen. If you don't mind, I'm just going to pray right now. Is it okay? You can pray with me. Father, we just thank you for your mercy, your grace, and your kindness at this time. We pray that this word will bless your people. That those that have come expecting a word, I pray that you will speak through me. Father, I know I've studied, but I want you to speak fresh word today, Lord God. Father, that will bless your people. That those that are going through a situation will receive this word and be able to hold on to it, knowing that you are a God of truth and of hope in Jesus' name. And let everyone say amen. 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 Now, you know, one thing I've realized is what's so amazing is that we're living in a time where we've got more social media and more ways or more ubiquitous ways of connecting to one another. We're able to connect with mobile phones and laptops and desktops and, and computers. And, you know, we've got so many different ways to connect to each other. But somehow, no matter how hyper-connected that we are in this world, we are more lonely than ever. Statistics state that one in five people in the UK have issues of loneliness. It states that one in four people in the UK are struggling with anxiety, depression, and even thoughts of suicide. This baffles me as, as a child of God that we're living in this situation. Because I know that even though we come to church, we're still sinners under grace. We are part of the world, but it's the grace of God that's keeping us covered. So we go through the same situations that the world goes through, but we have a grace that keeps us and covers us. But the thing that baffles me is that when I look at the word of God and I realize that this is, we, we're dealing with Elijah here. Now, we've been in a, such a great time with Elijah going through Kings and Pastor Julian's really broken this down and I'm really excited about the word. And the thing about Elijah is that Elijah, this is a man that was able to take on prophets, the prophets of Baal. Now, I'm talking about these are heavy duty false prophets that he had to take on. And somehow yet he took them on and he won. But then he had a lady called Jezebel that was married to Ahab that was able to speak in his life and create fear. So much fear that 
Elijah ran literally 124 miles. We're talking about from the distance from Bristol, from here to Bristol, okay? Or let me put it down. It's five marathons. Or let me make it even easier. It's 40 my 40 hours of work. We're talking about walking 40 hours. I don't know about you walking down to the bus stop and train station. We're talking about 40 <laughs> hours on the run. This is no joke. And this is the same man that had the presence of God that when he spoke, rain came. And when he said, stop, the rain stopped. This is the very man that had this power, but yet he was still on the run. It doesn't make any sense. And one thing I want to say to you today is that we're living in a time whereby... What's so confusion is that we can go through such great euphoria, but at the same time go through such distress and pain. And it doesn't make sense to us that we're a child of God, but yet we can go through so much. And today, I just want to give this message, and the message, the title of my message today is When All Seems Lost. Okay, when all seems lost. What we have here in this scripture is a lady, a widow, even the Bible says the widow, when God said to Elijah, go and find the widow, not a widow, the widow. So this woman obviously had a name for herself because everyone knew that she was the widow in the town. And so Elijah had obviously spent time with her because during the time that Elijah had spent with her, what she had, a small piece of meal, a small amount of food or even cereal left for her and her son. But out of that very thing, God was able to use that mill and produce a cruise of oil. This oil never ran dry. So this woman, not only did she have enough to take care of herself, but she had enough to take care of the people that was around her. So this is a miraculous miracle. So now we have Elijah that abode or was living in a house with this widow woman and her son. It got to a point in time where the widow woman herself, her son fell sick and died. There is nothing like being a child of God and going through grief or stress. It doesn't make sense. You say, how can I be so blessed, but yet I have to go through so much? People will look at you and say, do you know what? But hold on, aren't you a Christian? Why are you still going through great loss, but yet you have God in your life, so to speak? Now, I want to say to you today, what is so bewildering to us is that we go through situations and we're saved, but yet we can still go through such madness and suffering and loss, even being in the house of God. This is what is confusing. Because one thing I've started to realize is that, I'll give you a bit of some information about my background. Now, my parents came to UK in the 60s, so my dad's from Nigeria, and my mom's from Zimbabwe, all right? So we're Western South Africa, came in the 60s. And then literally, from there, I remember literally growing, growing up, and then I got saved, met my wife in church. She was a choir director, and I joined a choir. Don't, don't, let's not go into it. Because then I'm a little correct me. I know, I know, I should have kept my eye on the word, but, you know, I was looking at the... We, we can talk about it later, right? Okay, so anyway, I ended up marrying my wife, and then, you know, we had, you know, some wonderful kids. And before, you know, what's always happened in my, me and my wife's life, somehow we've always been accelerated very, very quickly. And sometimes you just have to open the door, be nice to people before you know it, you're a minister or an exhorter in a church <laughs> very, very quickly. So me and my wife got fast-tracked so quickly in church, and we went from literally uh, taking over a church, and we was in that church for five years. And it didn't work out. Now, the pain is this, is that there's some things in your life that you spend so much time investing yourself in. It may be your child. It may be your job. It may be your relationship, your marriage. It may be just your future. You spend so much time investing in that very thing. But then when that thing is taken away from you, immediately, the things that you go through are insurmountable. It doesn't compare to anything. 
And so running a church for five years and then next minute, and this is a church where in my first few weeks I was already in the Old Bailey um, for their for a murder case. It wasn't my fault. But I was there supporting one of the parents that had gone out with someone that was in a gang. And before I knew it, I was getting threatened from... I had gangsters saying they're going to come to church, and if they come to church, God, you know, let God be your judge. So I'm in church preaching. I'm looking around to see if anyone's out for me. It was mad, all right? So I went through a lot of situations, and I was like, oh, my gosh, why am I doing this? But yet, yeah, I still counted all, all joy. I was in the church. I would be setting up the keyboards, all the PA. I'm talking about big, heavy. I can't even give you uh, the technical term is a badoof speaker, all right? We're talking about speakers that were so heavy that you're, you know, honestly, after your, your back was gone. And I'll be playing keys. My wife we had what was there with the two kids. And so she had, we had three kids under the age of, of 10. All right. So we're talking about my mom, my wife, love her to bits. Literally looking after the kids. And at the same time, I'm doing offering. I'm singing and I can't sing. All right. So we're talking about, we're talking about, you know, one man band here. And preaching and offering. And then for that thing to fall, fall apart, it hit me hard. It took me 18 months to deal with that car crash. And there's one thing as well, is that sometimes the gravity of the extent of your pain is, is down to the extent of the actual crash that you had in the first place. Do you understand what I mean? Sometimes you go through things in life and it doesn't mean much, but sometimes you're, going, you're meeting the bears and the little things in the background, but you want to meet your Goliath one time. Just get ready for it. Get your seatbelt on. You will meet your Goliath and that Goliath will come and it will knock you for six. And you need to be ready, because sometimes we're in a house, we're praising God, but we have to understand that you need to be building up some armory right now, because that fight will come. And when you lose someone, or when you lose that very thing that you've been invested in, there's no pain like it, because it's unique to you. You see, and one thing I realized and I learned by being in that situation was that the very first that thing happened to me was that it always starts with a question. The fall always starts with a question. Your depression or your pain always starts with a question. And that question is, why me? Why does it happen to me? Does it make sense? Yeah, why me? And what, am I the only one that's going through this situation? And why now? Why, not, why me and not her? Why me and not him? And these are things. You know that Lucifer himself, the very first question that he asked, he said, are you sure that you're not allowed to eat of this very thing? It's not even an answer, but a question. And with a question, doubt starts to set in. I want to know today, what is your first response to pain? What is your first response to pain? See, in emergency, you have what's known as a first responder. A first responder is usually, if you call up, I think it's 1-1. You don't even have 999 properly now. You have 111. We speak to a nurse who hasn't got all the qualifications, but she has to go through an FAQ of, about, oh, are you still alive? Is your heart beating? Yeah, I'm alive because I'm talking to you right now. And you have to go through the situation, but they're trying to determine the criteria or who you need to come to, to you at that first time. See, when you go through a situation, what is the medic or what is the thing that is arriving straight away? Is that thing that's arriving straight away, is it fear? Is it doubt? Is it anxiety? Or is it expectation? See, when you go through a situation in your life that is so horrific, what is that very first responder that you have to that situation? You see, because the fact of the matter is that we need to be in a situation where we understand that the great things will happen to us. But in order to be great, you have to go through the valley. You have to go through a wilderness experience 
where God said, I need to separate you and put you by yourself. And once I have you by yourself, then I need to start to deal with certain things in your life. Now, I thought I was prepared and ready. And I said, you know what, God, I want to be a great Christian. And God said, okay, all right then. No, we'll work on that. But I didn't know what it took to be a Christian. I didn't know what it took to be a child of God. And let me tell you something. You may have victories, but you will go through ups and downs. But what is important is that you are consistent and you see your future ahead. Because God is in charge and he knows what he's doing with you. Amen? Bless you, bless you. See, what's crazy about this is that we have this woman, this widow woman that's in a situation that she's living with a prophet. This is deep now, all right? It might be a bit political correctness issues here. But she was living with a prophet. So you can't get closer to God than living having a prophet in the house that is probably able to wake up and give you a fresh word every day, every day that you're there and you're alive. So this woman's living a prophet. But can you imagine the, 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 the anguish for her son to die. Now, the word son in the Old, in the old Testament, is, it, it translates to, to Ben. Or we hear Ben, if you're a child called Ben, it means son of. So Ben, in this situation, is somebody who is known as a family builder or your future or your potential. So what we have here, is we have a lady that has seen her son die before her with the presence of God all around her, and yet her future, her potential, has died in front of her. It doesn't make any sense. And so we have, we have someone who's torn between, God, how can you be in my life? I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I'm dancing. I'm sweating. I'm praying. I'm giving things to the people. I'm taking care of them. I'm looking out for them. But yet, death is still coming my house. It don't make no sense. This is, this is what you, we are going to be experiencing in our lives, that we go through situations that we are chasing God, but yet we still have to go through situations in our life. See, what this woman, when she started to experience depression, okay? Now, there was a great, unfortunate, really sad story happened with um, this chap that was flying an airplane and the airplane went down. And I was reading the story a few weeks ago and, and it was about uh, Emiliano Sala. Is a famous footballer. And the mum said, she said, being alive and seeing my son dead is like being practically dead whilst alive. And it hit me hard. I was like, oh my gosh. So this, what this woman, this widow woman is experiencing, not only has she lost her husband, which was her only source of income in those days. If you were unmarried or you was a widow in those days, literally you had no source of income. And so she lost the very thing that could provide income, which was her son. So everything that she invested herself into was now gone. And so what she was seeing right now was that word Ben. She was seeing a dead future in front of her. A dead future. Now, see, you can go through situations, but when that situation's sitting there in front of you, hasn't moved out of the way, but it's sitting there right in front of you, there's nothing like it because you can't avoid it. It's like death is right in front of me. And when dead signifies your future, what have you got to live for? And that's when depression kicks in. See, one thing I want to know during this period of time is, what's your covering? What is your covering? You see, when you go through a situation in life, you need to ask yourself, who am I really leaning upon? You see, it's okay. See, you've got friends. You know, we've got the, this wonderful term called filio. This is where we get the word Philadelphia, which means love of, love, brotherhood love, brotherly love. 
And sometimes you have people in your life that are only there for what they, they know about you. You see, if you're good at something, then you have certain friends. But I want to know who's staying there when things ain't working out. Who's your real friend when, when you're not making any money, when you don't look good, when you're not in shape, when things ain't working out and people speaking ill of you? Who is still around you during those times? This is where you get the testing, where the testing comes. Because when tragedy hits, very, very quickly you start to realize who's for me and who's against me. Amen. There's a difference between a friend and a colleague. There is a big difference between a friend and a colleague. You may work with someone, but are they, have they got your side? Have they got you on your side? Are you on their side? A friend is someone that sticks closer than a brother. See, sometimes a friend is able to put up your, your mess. And this is a God that we serve. The God that we serve is not an emotional God. He's not concerned about if you're happy one day, if you're sad, if you feel joyful, or if you feel anguish. He's concerned about your future. See, a true father looks for your future and takes care of you and says, you know what? You might be complaining right now, but the future that I have laid out in front of you is right for you. And even though it's going to take certain situations for you to go through this. One thing I learned, it's so funny now. I've been doing CrossFit for the last, oh my word, six months. CrossFit. Let me just say something. I know Damon's not here, but Damon got me into exercise and I'm like, I'm looking at Arnie for inspiration, trying to get myself in shape. <laughs> anyway, and anyway, so I've been going CrossFit and I get up in the morning at 5.30 in the morning. On a, on a yeah, yeah, that's right. Jeez. <laughs> I get up in the morning at 5.30 in the morning to go in the cold down to, to, to Bromley to go CrossFit for an hour to be shouted at, abused, right, by some bald-headed brother. Absolutely nightmare, right? Ex-army guy doesn't know when pain stops. Every time I want to give up, he says, you've got 30% you more in you. I said, 30% more? No, no, you do my 30% for me. It's a nightmare. And I come home three days a week, but I'm starting to see the change now, a little bit of a change. But every time I come home from, from, from exercise, I see my wife, and my wife asks me the same question. How was it? I look at her in her face, and I say, it was disgusting. It was nasty. But somehow, I go back all the time. There's one thing you have to understand is that God is, you are a muscle. Now, if you know about muscle and the composite, composition of a muscle, a muscle has to be broken down in order for it to grow. So sometimes you're saying, God, I want to be strong, but God has to say to you, you may not know this, and certain things I can't tell you because I glory in the secret things. So God won't reveal everything to you because some things you are not ready for. And that muscle will be broken down. So God will put you through depression, put you through stress put you through frustration and anxiety in order for that muscle to grow so you can become equipped. God is trying to equip you right now. And God wants to make sure that when people see you, people can see the muscle that God has made out of you and be able to say, you know what? I remember when you was weak, but now I'm strong in God because God is truly capable. Amen. So one thing I love about this scripture is that we're in a situation right now where we see this lady this widow that has uh, her son that has died. And the, one of the first things that happens, she, she doesn't, she's holding on to this thing. She's holding on to her child. And the Elijah the prophet has to come up to her and say, give me your child and let me take that child into the upper room. See, sometimes we're in a situation where we're holding on to our mess for far too long. We're holding on to that very thing that we should learn to let go of and give to God. 
See, when you hear these songs like Let Go and Let God, they're not a joke. It's not a Disney theme tune because sometimes we're going through things in life where we, where we are going through situations where we should have let go of that situation, but yet we want to hold on to it because sometimes we like people feeling sorry for us, yeah? We like people saying, there, there, how are you doing today? Oh, you know, I'm still going through, you know, I'm still going through, I'm still suffering. Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. Sometimes we like the attention. You see, because think about pride. Pride isn't always about being puffed up. But it's about taking the focus of God and put it onto yourself. You see, the fact of the matter is that the Bible talks about pride before the fall. Because we go through situations in life. Yes, I'm preaching. Yes, I'm going to give you the word today in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Pride before the fall. See, God does not play with glory. God doesn't play. You look through the word of God. There were was, there was people that were killed because the focus went onto them. You see, the fact of the matter is what's amazing in this world is that the most beautiful things that we have, gold, diamond, amethyst, and the zirconium, not the stuff you see on the QVC channel. I'm talking about the proper stuff, yeah? The thing that makes something beautiful is the way that light reflects on it. See, when you look at a diamond, the reason a diamond is judged on the fact, the way Pastor Julian could talk about this, but the fact of the matter is that how light reflects on the diamond is what makes a difference. You see, the fact of the matter, where Lucifer messed up or the enemy messed up is that he took the focus. He let the glory of God not be on the God anymore, but be on himself. And rather than reflect back the glory, he took it in for himself. You have to understand, be very careful and be extremely aware, men, men and women of God, that the moment that you start to take the focus of God and you receive the praise from people and you don't give it back, this is when things start to mess up for you. We're dealing with a woman here where she's got the glory of God in her, in her house. She's, she's had it for days now. The cruise of oil isn't running dry. But then her son dies. Her bene, her purpose disappears. The fact of matter is this, is that God has to take the situation out of your hands. Why are we holding onto that situation? There is a time for everything under the sun. Let us learn to take our hands off that situation and give it to God. Now, I just want you to sign something. If anyone's ever signed a contract, anyone signed a contract before? Yeah? There's only three people. Everyone's living illegally, yeah? All right, okay. It's all good. Bless God. Black market. What's going on in here? The fact of the matter is that there are things that you experience. Sometimes you don't know what the terms and conditions are of being a Christian. Let's, let's put them up on the board. This is some of the terms and conditions, let's, in case you didn't know. He said, and you have suffered a little while. So, I mean, got the right scripture up. But may the God of all our grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, and strengthen you. Suffer. Suffering, just remember. Remember that word, suffering. Also in John 16 and 33, he said, have I said these things to you, that in me you may have peace, in the world, you will have tribulation. Now, I don't see, you know, you can have trouble in life. You know, you can have things that go wrong, but tri tribulation? That's not a nice word. It just, it just sounds frightening. It sounds like some movie, like something's not going to work out in the end. If that person's got a son of tribulation, you know it's going to be a mess. Tribulation means a narrow place. You see, if you've ever seen the film or, or read the book, Alice in Wonderland, Alice in Wonderland, Alice in Wonderland, when she starts to walk down the corridor, it gets thinner and thinner. And the word tribulation means a narrow place. You see, the fact of matter is that sometimes you can go through quick pain. And sometimes I just sometimes say to me, just get over and done with. Put the print prick in there, 
Let me get my injection and my, my vaccination and let me go about it. I can handle that. But what I don't like is slow pain. Or pain you don't know is somehow you're getting squeezed bit by bit in a situation because sometimes you don't notice what you're going through. And the fact of the matter is you have to understand that tribulation is like that because it's able to squeeze the very essence of you out. You see, the God that we deal with, Jesus Christ, the, I'm just talking about someone who was here before the world was created, the, the Logos, the, the, you know, the, the Paracletos, the one that stands aside. We're talking about the, the King of Kings with a rose of Sharon, the bright and morning star. He had to pray and fast in the wilderness. See, the wilderness is a place where no one knows what you're going through. Jesus Christ himself had to pray and fast before he came out. It don't make no sense. How can Jesus Christ be praying? Who's he praying to? I was like, what's going on? Jesus Christ having to pray in the wilderness, but he knew that there were three things that were going to hit him. And he will be attacking his mind, his will, and his emotion. All of us, we are built up of these things. Our mind, our will, and our emotion. We have to understand that sometimes the enemy is not content with taking away your money. See, I can still praise God. I, I've, I don't know about you, but I've lived in every, every ghetto in London, all right? So I've lived in Peckham, Catford, Deptford, Surrey Keys. I've been there. I've got some people from Surrey Keys, all right, there. In the ends, I'm watching out for you, you know. It's got the gang members still after me. But I've lived in every area under the sun. And I, you know what? I'm able to say to you today, that doesn't bother me, Yeah. I don't mind if I open the fridge and the colours of the, the food is different. You know, back in the day, you had nice colours in the food. That means you're doing well, like Sainsbury's, Tesco's, Finest. But when it's a hard time, it's just pure black and white food in the fridge. Okay, is anyone being there? No, nah, none of you. All you guys are all blessed. So you're middle class in the house of God. No, no, no. I've been there. I've been there. Me and my wife have been through situations and we're able to turn around now and we're blessed. We are blessed and God has blessed us. But we had to go through certain situations that rather than us be able to sympathize with someone and say they're there, we can turn around and have sympathy and say, I've been there. I know what it's like to go through pain. I know what it's like not to have anything. I know what it's like to be homeless. We know what it's like to go through situations. And so when you see me smiling up here today, don't get excited. I want you to know that it's taken a journey for me to get here. See, sometimes we look at that God on the cross, we see Jesus Christ on the cross and we say to ourselves, you know what, he had it so easy. But you know what? The three years that he transformed the world, we don't hear about the 30 years before it. We don't hear about the stress that he went through. Because this was a man that was tempted. He had, to, had temptation put in front of him, but yet he had to manage himself for 30 years. Can you imagine one time he's there as a carpenter's son, and next minute, the nail hits his big thumb. He went, ah, oh, I got to watch it, you know. I can't sing. I got to hold it down. I'm not to sing. You know, I've got 30 years, and then I've got, then I've got three years of transforming the world. The fact of the matter is that you are an iceberg in the house of God today. There is a deep foundation that God has laid out in your life and only people only see the surface of your life. They don't see what's deep down inside of you and what you've been through. Because a tree is only as strong as its roots. And I want you to understand that you're, there is a foundation that God is establishing with you right now today. That in order for you to be used by God, that muscle has to grow and let it grow right through God. Don't lean upon what this world can give you, but lean upon what God is able to bless you with in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. You see, the thing about this, what's so amazing is that the... the um, so I'm holding my thing like because my shirt's a little bit tight. I haven't got my six-pack. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. So I'm holding my shirt a little bit. It's coming. 
If the glory comes out, just pray for me, all right? Bless the Lord. So there's one thing that I realize is that Elijah the prophet himself, this is a man, right, that got translated. You know what translation means? It means that you don't even see death. Escalated straight into heaven. One time. This is amazing. This man had to pray for that child three times. He cried and had to pray for that child three times. Now, the things that gets us as a Christian is that sometimes we do not understand time in God's eyes. See, time in God's eyes is not linear. Linear is when you move from one place to another place. This is a linear. In other words, you have the pages of a book. But when God looks at us, he sees the whole story. The Bible says that it says he's the author and finisher of your faith. He sees the end from the beginning. So even though you've started off here and you're saying, Lord, why me, Lord? Why am I going through such a situation? How come I can't overcome? My kids are not, not having, causing trouble for me. Lord, I've got no money to take care of this. Lord, I'm going through situations. Oh, Lord, I'm blessed. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me. We don't understand that sometimes the biggest enemy that we can have in our life is time itself. Because sometimes we are questioning God every single moment of the day about God. Why has my, my miracle come today? But sometimes God, you have to understand that God is just a strategic God. God is saying, Do you know what? I'm sorry, I can't bring you out. He doesn't even apologize. But God says, you know what? I can't bring you out of your situation until you go through certain things. Because I need caliber. You see, I need a proper soldier. I don't need someone who's done a little, you know, territorial work. It's a part-time soldier. I need someone who's able to hang and hold it down. I need someone that is able to say, when, when you've got two more press-ups, you're still doing four. I need someone that is able to say, do you know what, God, no matter what, I'm going to hold on to you. When everyone's quitted, I need someone that is able to carry on pushing harder than they've ever pushed before. That when pain comes, said, pain, I can handle you. I can take you on. God is looking for soldiers in the house of God and he requires caliber. Caliber takes time. See, what is amazing is that the finest things in life require time. The finest things in life require care and being taken care of. You see, a diamond has to go through immense pressure to become that beautiful thing. What pressure do you need to go through today to be that beautiful thing in the eyes of God? A gold has to go through a refining process where cyanide and other poisons are added into it in order to remove the dross and produce this fine gold, gold thing before you that you're wearing on your fingers if you're blessed. The fact of matter is that one thing I want to say to you today is that don't despise the journey. Don't despise the journey. You see, the difference between a, a child and, and an adult or between a boy and a father is that a father concentrates on the future, but a boy concentrates on the present. A father looks at their child and says, you know what? You might be a scruff right now. You might be a troublemaker in my life right now, but I see that you're going to be great before God. When God looks at you today, you may not have it all together. You might be sitting all cute and looking handsome right now. But let me tell you something. God has a way of saying, I'm going to take that very situation that you're going through and transform your life with it. Don't despise where you are today. Your breakthrough is coming. I guarantee it. If God can do it for me, he can do it for you. Your breakthrough is coming. Come on, you can clap your hands. Some of you ain't clapping your hands because you ain't been through nothing yet. Some of you are sitting here because you have not been through nothing in your life, so you can't clap. But there's a praise that God's got for you, an echo praise, and a praise 
when it doesn't make any sense, when everyone's quiet, you're shouting. And when everyone's shouting, you're quiet. There is a praise that God has got inside for you today. There is a ch- time that is coming where you will praise God. And when that praise comes out, people know about it. You see, when a woman's going through labor, she ain't going, oh, okay. How many more pushes I've got to do? No, no, she's squeezing hard to get that child out. And you have to understand, sometimes that praise has to come out of you. See, what Greg said was so profound. He said that praise comes before your breakthrough. You have to understand that you have to praise God when it doesn't make sense. Can you praise God when it doesn't make sense? Can it praise God when everything around you has died? Can it praise God when everyone in your life is saying, it's over, give up. Why are you still here? Why are you still going through this mess? These guys have left. You're still here. What's wrong with you? You're an idiot. You're a fool. God is looking for someone who says, you know what? I've set you aside for this very thing because I'm going to make the enemy in your footstool. Because sometimes you're praising God and you're saying, God, why am I going through such situations in my life? God, why are you not removing my enemies away from me? This person is still troubling me. God said, you know what? The reason why I keep the enemy there for you is because when you get, you get the breakthrough, they need to see the breakthrough that you receive. They need to see what you're going through. Because sometimes when you got saved, oh, bless the Lord, amen. When you got saved, I threw all away all my swing beat and my jazz albums away. All my nice tracks I threw, I, I regret it now. I'll tell you now, because those tunes were tunes. I threw all my tracks away. I said, you know what? All those friends will be gone. It's just me and the Lord. But God said, you know what? I'm sorry, I need to send you back over there. Because they're not saved. You're the one that saved, they're not saved. You know what? You're so unique in this house of God. You're, everyone that is here, you're so unique. You are, you, God is dealing with a spectrum of light. And a spectrum of light is composed of multiple different colors in there. And the fact of the matter is that God has to say, you know what, I need to use every one of you in the house of God today. Because if you are not going through what you're going through, how can the person that is behind you experience the breakthrough? Someone needs your testimony. Somebody needs your testimony. It doesn't have to be in a house. You have a friend or a member of family. You have someone at work that's always smiling at you because they're waiting for you to talk to them about something. They're waiting for you to give them a testimony and say, you know what, this is what I've been through. See, it's difficult being the pioneer. I was the first one to leave home. I was the first one to get married. I was the first one to have a child. I got more beaten than anyone else. I'll tell you a quick story. I was the first one to get knocked down by a car. That's another story. I got knocked down by a car. I'm going to go off on a tangent just really quickly. Sorry, family. But anyway, I got hit by a car in Campbell Green. I was running home to get my hot chocolate and biscuits. Right? It was the best thing out of primary school. You used to get a bus up the hill and then jump on the bus. And then one time I ran across the road, poof! And it was raining as well. I woke up and it was raining around me and I got to a hospital, King's College Hospital. And as I lay there in the hospital in the bed, we went back to all twist up and obviously I had a scar the back of my head. And I was in great pain and distress, tribulation. Great pain and distress. My mum came to hospital. Only, only mums can do this. Only mums can do this. I came, my mum came into the hospital. She looked at me and she whispered, she goes, you wait till you get home. Come on! The pain, the pain. Rapture now, Greg says. The pain I experienced because I knew my future was not in God's hands. 
I wasn't saved then. I wasn't saved then. You know, I've gone completely off track. I'm just enjoying myself. Becky said to me, wait until you get to second service, you'll feel a lot more better. Amen. But anyway, I'm going to go through, I'm going to just basically go into the last points. But there's certain things that you need to know and understand. That the fact of the matter is that God has a plan for your life, a plan for good. A plan not for evil to give you an expected end. The fact of the matter is that you are in an amazing dispensation of life right now. We are in a position where you have the ability to speak freely. We are living in an awesome country. There are over six billion people in this world. Some people don't have the amenities that we have. If I take you to in certain countries, you're not going to get no national health service. You are the national health service. You know, if your foot falls off, your foot's falling off and no one's going to help you. The fact of the matter is we're living in such a blessed place and sometimes we're fat with the glory of God. We, sat, we sit in this house and we get word every week. We get, I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about light word, I'm talking about heavy word. Pastor Julian's up here preaching, Pastor Sharon, Becky, we've got, we got amazing Pastor Sally. All these people are preaching the word of God and we sit here sometimes on them. But we don't know how blessed you are. You don't know how blessed you are. You are blessed in this house. Use this opportunity to take that blessing because the way that God can use you is that you have to become a pipe. If you want to be greater in God, you've got to allow God to flow through you to help the next person. So as your God is flowing through you, your pipe is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is what happens is sometimes you're sitting here and you're like a bucket just taking it all for yourself. You go home, you sit down, you watch a YouTube, Instagram, and you're happy, you're nice and Netflix and changing channels. But let me tell you something. God has got a plan and purpose for your life. But let God use your pain as well as your blessing. Don't rely on your blessing. Also, let God use your pain as well as your blessing. So, just to end, just to end, just to end. There's a couple of things that I'd like you to look at for your breakthrough. Just with the lady, the widow woman, she went through so many things in her life. But one thing I want you to know and understand is that it's not about what you feel. It's about what you know. You see... God isn't about feelings. He's about you knowing that he's there in spite of everything that you go through. So he didn't say that you're not going to go through situations because pain is a great teacher. Pain says, I don't want to go there again anymore. Pain, if you look at all 613 laws in the Old Testament, most of them were about prevention of pain. We have the first laws of quarantine. We heard about the word Gehenna. There are certain places where you used to take out the rubbish out of the land and put into a place where it can be burnt separately. Then in, we, in the UK, we had the, the Black Plague. Remember the Black Plague? You don't remember the Black Plague, you wasn't alive. But we had the bubonic plague that was carried around because there was no laws of quarantine. God is a God of prevention. You see, it's better not to go through something than to go through it, really. Let's be honest with each other. You know, I don't want to be a supernatural Christian. I want to be a Christian that helps other people. I don't want to go through everything. I want to be used, but I don't want to go through everything. So God has got a way of saying, you know what, I can prevent you from going through that situation if you lean on me. Understand that wisdom is the application of knowledge. Use your, your brothers and your sisters' situations that they've been through to cheat you. Say, I don't want to go through that thing myself. But with that very thing, I want to bless the people that are around me. Amen? Amen. So, what do we need to know during this time? The first thing, you need to know your mind. Amen. If you put that up, please, the first point. Oh, know your word. Sorry. Obviously, know your word is the most important thing. So you need to know your word. And by the word, I'm not talking about knowing just your Bible, because Bible will help you in, in the times of trouble. Sometimes it's just good to have one scripture in your head, just one, to, to bring you through. 
You don't have to be a scholar, but it's important to know the word of God. But the word of God I'm referring to is a logos. I'm talking about God himself. Make sure that God is with you through your situation. Know God. Know how he operates. Know that God, sometimes we call upon him and he doesn't move the way you want him to move. But you have to understand he's got your best intentions at heart. See, you have to hold on to that because the enemy is going to get you by yourself and start talking foolishness to you and say, where is your God right now? Because he hasn't brought you through. But understand that the, the God that created the devil himself knows best for you. Amen? So know God. Know the word. Secondly, know your time. Know your time. It's very important that you know your time. Like I mentioned is that sometimes the gravity or the situation that you go through, it can either be short or long. It can be one day or it can be like the woman with issue of blood. I know it doesn't sound nice, it doesn't feel good, but let me, let me tell you something. There is something about the sweetness of a breakthrough after going through something for such a long time. See, you don't, you don't appreciate, I hope none of us are playing lottery now, but you don't appreciate wealth, you don't appreciate good things in your life until you've been through a mad situation. Know the time, know the things that you are going through that God is going to count in all joy. He's going to take your issues, your sin, your problems, and he's able to take that mud and turn it around into fertilizer, and it will then be good for you. Understand this, that know your time. It's so important that we know our time. Right, moving on to the third thing. You need to know your mind. See, some of us are, you know, we're built differently because we have different makeups, and so some of us have a slight disposition where some of us are more sensitive and some of us are more tough. But the fact about it is that you need to know your mind because your mind is a very, the very seat of your understanding and thinking. And your mind is probably the first thing that's going to get attacked. And you have to understand is that sometimes it's not the things that's outside you, it's the thing that's inside you. If you don't protect your mind during the time of hardship, this is what happens, is that you start to have what's known as uncontested thought. And what this basically means is that you will be saying stuff that will be an, an open lie so the enemy will say to you, you're a loser. And you're like, I'm not a loser. The next day, oh, you know what? You're still a loser because you haven't got through that situation. And you're like, I'm not a loser. The third day is like, you're a loser. And you feel, you know what? It's true. I might be, I might be a loser. Because so I'm going through that situation because the facts speak louder than the truth. And then the third day is moved from a lie to a fact, to a truth that I am a loser. The devil doesn't have to tell me that I'm a loser. The devil doesn't have to tell me that I'm not going to get overcome this thing because I've got the facts, I've got the book, I've signed it, I, am the, I have the autobiography in front of me. I am the problem. This is the plan of the enemy. Your mind, guard your mind. If God is able to create, and the, the, see, the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. As you speak, be careful about what words you say to yourself. You see, because there's one person, there's one thing, someone mocking you, but there's another thing when, when, when you mock yourself. Don't critique yourself. If God is able to create the world with his mouth, and then he's giving you as Adam the ability to create and name every, to name every animal in the Garden of Eden, you have a creative power. So you have creative and destructive power in your mouth. Be careful what you say to yourself. Be very, very careful what you say to yourself. Amen. The fourth point I have is know your weapons. Know your weapons. You need to know that the Bible talks about 
There's certain weapons. That, that one of the weapons that you have is the children of God. See, the Bible says, don't forsake the assembly of the brethren. Let me say something. I'd rather you be in the house of God sitting at the back with your foot about to leave the church than be at home watching YouTube preaching. I'd rather you be in the house of God and saying, do you know what? I'm stressed out, but you're still here. Consistency in God is key. Consistency. So even though you might go through a hard time, you've moved from the front to the middle to the back. Understanding that being consistent is important. Because the Bible says our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but until the pulling down the strongholds. It's not the things that we can physically see. It's what is going on in your mind and your body and your spirit. So as you sit in church, understand it's so important that we are in a place where we're getting word. We've got great pastors that are your covering. Don't leave this place and think, do you know what, I can do it all by myself. Because that's when the fall comes. No, this is a place where you need to be and grow and then be a blessing to others that are around you. Amen. And then the last point I have is know your anointing. Know that you are anointed. Anointed is not a feeling, it's an identity. See, people are struggling. Why don't you got all these gangs and stuff? It's, because, it's not because they, people want to carry on bad all the time. It's because people are looking for identity. They're looking to be recognized. See, everyone wants to get recognized. We're in a world right now where everyone on Instagram, selfies, whatever's going on, we all want to be recognized and acknowledged. But you have to understand that God has already nailed, named you already. The Bible says that he is, you know, every hair in your head is numbered. I'm mean, not just counting, oh, you've got 6,000 hairs. No, he goes, that hair is this, that hair is that. He knows you. God knows your name. You are identified with God. So when you leave this place today, know that you are a son, you are a daughter of God, and there's great things ahead of you. But in order to be a, an heir of Christ, understand there's certain things that you will go through. But what is important and key is that God is on your side. Amen? There is hope today. There is hope in Christ. If I can do it, you can do it. Amen? If I can go through situations and I can go from bondage to breakthrough, you can do it. If you can go from divorce to breakthrough, from separation to breakthrough, from addiction to breakthrough, you can do it in the house of God, with God on your side. Amen. And be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. So at this time, I just want to say to you that this is a great opportunity and I really hope that you've been blessed today. And I hope to know that, you know what, let me say, don't give up. See, God don't give up on you. Don't give up. It's going to be hard sometimes. It's going to be dark days, but don't give up. Don't lean on your feelings. Lean upon the word of God. God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm a friend that sticks closer than any brother. He knows your name. He knows who you are. He's got great plans for you. Great plans. Plans that will transform your world and the people around you. Don't leave God. It would be a mistake. And even if you left him, God forbid... He's got a way of putting you back. Let your heart always be open. Always be open to God because the Bible says that mighty man falleth yet seven times, but get back up again. God knows you're going to fall over, but get back up and carry on. Consistency is the key in the word of God. Amen? Amen. We're going to pray. Father, we just thank you for this time of blessing, this time of word. We thank you for the praise and worship that came. We thank you for everything you are doing for the people that have come out. But Father, Lord God, for those that are struggling in the house of God with doubt, with fear, with anxiety, depression, even thoughts of suicide, Lord God, we pray, Lord God, that Father, Lord God, that you will speak that word, that Zoe word, that will speak life into them, that will transform them and say, do you know what? I can do it again. 
God, that you have not given up on me. But Father, I pray, speak that word into their lives and transform them. Because transformation is coming today. Father, I pray for those that, Lord God, haven't, Lord God, put their hands up, but want to give their lives to the Lord, but are even a little bit afraid. I pray that you give them the boldness to know and understand that, Father, Lord Jesus Christ, that many are called, but few are chosen, and this is an opportunity for them. But, Father, them to give them lives to the Lord. But, Father, I pray that your grace will continue to extend in their lives. Father, we thank you for everyone that has come out today. That's, that God, Heavenly Father, has put effort into coming to church today to praise you and give you the glory. Father, Lord God, let us always remember that we are overcomers, that we are more than conquerors, that, Father, Lord God, we are consistent in your word, knowing that you have a plan for our lives. We speak hope right now, hoping to your people today, that you may bless them, keep them, and cover them in Jesus' name. And let everyone say amen. 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 Be blessed. Be blessed. Bless you. Amen. Amen.